Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way from the land of the Red Dragon is the gold standing in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parson. Good evening. Yeah, wow, evening. You're not saying afternoon? Like you no, usually because it's nearly, nearly, it's going to be midnight in 57 minutes. Yeah, but you always say good afternoon when we do the 3 o'clock show, which is 8 o'clock there. I get confused. I'm old. Yeah, yeah. so there you go. Anyways, uh, good news up in, in your neck of the woods, huh? With the, the queen yeah. is going to knight, knight that old vet that's been oh, walking yeah. around his garden. Yeah, she is. That's kind of cool. Old Captain Tom. How old is he? Captain, Cap, he's a hundred years old now. Captain Sir Tom. And he's been walking around his garden, and he's raised an inordinate amount of money, right? Thirty something million, which has been doubled up and changed. It's about eighty million uh, pounds. God bless. He him. himself, thirty-three million. Isn't that unbelievable, huh? Incredible. Absolutely inspirational and unprecedented. Uh, he's been, he, he was an army captain. Um, then they made him uh, an honorary colonel, but that is an honorary title, so he, so he remains to be called captain. Uh, but the Queen has bestowed a knighthood upon him um, at, off the honours list. So it's. Um, Absolutely unprecedented. Huh, that's cool. Well, pretty much. And well deserved. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I mean, just to think of doing that and raising the, the crazy amount of money that he well, did. Well, he never so, did. That was it. He, he was. Uh, he'd had some surgery, and huh. uh, he wanted to do something for the national health service to, to thank the staff at the hospital. Yep. So he figured that um, he would walk a hundred. Well, laps of his of his garden um before his 100th birthday and aim to raise around about 1000 pounds <laughs> <laughs> and things got a little bit out of control and he became the poster boy of uh, lockdown so isn't that amazing anyway Incredible. we we do have a, a guest on with us tonight it's someone i've known for Years and years and years. Uh, he used to live up here in the great state of Massachusetts, but he uh, up and left and went to the wonderful red state of Florida. So uh, <laughs> he is he is the legend of well, actually, he's the legend of legend tripping, Mister Chris Balzano. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'll say good afternoon. How about that? Yeah, I like it. It's it's bright in Florida, I'm sure. It doesn't get dark here until about ten o'clock at night. It seems sometimes. So yeah. all this sunshine is killing me. 
Yeah, it, it's all the reflections off the alligators down there. The little like sunlight goes down and <laughs> hits those scales and it bounces around. And yeah, that's what it is, reflections. So my uh, brother actually moved down to Florida and yeah, he lives on a canal there. And uh, he says he sees those little buggers in the canal every so often, the little red eyes, beady eyes looking at him. Are you allowed to get the what townies in? I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Good brother. Chris, you've known me like a hundred years. You know I can't remember freaking names. <laughs> I'm surprised you, you remember, remember your, your name. name. Actually, I noticed you didn't say his name. You just said my brother, so. Yeah, it's my brother Doug. I always say that. He's my younger brother. I used to beat the crap out of him, so uh, yeah, I'm proud of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We get we get we are close together, only two years apart, three in school, and uh, we are pretty close, closest I, I think of any other family members. So there you go. Anyways, uh, enough of this stuff. Uh, Chris, have you uh, spoke with? Uh, I mean, Chris, have Steve? Have you spoke to Chris before? But I, or, the name's familiar. I think maybe maybe we have in the past, but. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've ever been on the uh, the international show before. Mm-hmm. I usually do the so, afternoon show when I when I can make yeah, it. So maybe yeah. maybe it was there. Yeah, it could be. Anyways, um, Chris, why don't you let us know exactly what you do? I remember. Well, before I do that, let me segue this. And uh, when you were up here in the great blue state of Massachusetts, uh, you used to have the was it Massachusetts Crossroads? I believe that was the website. Was that it? Yeah, Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads was my there original site, and kind of what got this uh, whole crazy thing going. It was it was way back in the in the days before. The internet was overly popular, so there wasn't a ton of uh, websites out there that focused on, like, one area. Like, you had mm-hmm. Ghost Village, and you had Obi-Wan's page and things like that. And so I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be really bored one day and actually start the website. And, uh, you know, a good old GeoCities back in the day, and um, I named it Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads because it, it was this whole idea of, <clears throat> you know, uh, legends. And kind of the what the, the stories that develop around a haunting and what the true haunting might be. And so I always thought that was interesting. Like, I try to play myself in the crossroads of those two things. Right. And I remember using your website on certain uh, things for uh, reference uh, at that time. Because you did a lot of research in, in, on, uh, you know, different, different legends. In fact, just prior to the show, I was listening to... Uh, Hargan's uh, CD on uh, the Bridgewater Triangle, (laughs) which you are on uh, quite a bit. And and you talk about that. You talk like, you know, things of like the hitchhiker and how they, how, you know, an incident takes on a life of its own. Yeah, and I'm I'm probably even more into that now, now that I've I've kind of put the investigator part of what I do much more off to the side, and I'm much more of uh, what does this legend mean, and, and what are people saying about it? So even even now, um, I'm looking at these stories, and it's the same story over and over again. I've tracked down, you know, 87 uh, redheaded hitchhikers over my years now. You know, and so it, it's it's interesting to um, make sure you keep an eye on those kinds of things. Like we all want to go out, we all want to get evidence, we all want to hear a voice on tape, and that stuff is pretty amazing. Um, but there's also like a backstory. You know, there's also a reason why people are telling this story and a reason why they make up the story around it. 
You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that ghosts exist. Like people, you know, I'm a, a high school teacher. And so my kids, my students ask me and their parents ask me, well, <laughs> do you really think ghosts are real? And to me, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, ghosts are real. I mean, I've had way too many experiences. I've gotten way too many odd things uh, on, on, on film, on, on audio, on video to say that they're a personal experience, to say that they're not. But I don't always think it's what we say it is. But I don't think it's always what we pass down to other people uh, that it is. And that's kind of where I play now. And then that legend's part of like, well, why do we make up this story of why this haunting's there? Right. So I, I wanted to ask Steve because you know yeah. the the hitchhiker thing is is big in uh, the ghost hitchhiker here in, in the states. Do they have them in the UK? Oh, do we have hitchhikers in the UK? We have hitchhikers aplenty in the UK. Um, in fact, I remember one. Um, I think my cousin uh, when when we were both teenagers had a. Uh, a run-in with a very well-known local hitchhiker from where I used to live near Chester. Uh, yeah, most places in the UK have got um, road ghosts and hitchhikers. Uh, they, they're they male, they're female, predominantly female. Um, mm-hmm. Predominantly mm-hmm. They, get, they get in the car, uh, it's a dark and stormy night, or the driver stops, gives the young lady a lift, uh, looks in the mirror, she's gone, or pulls up at the driveway of the house, um, the, the, the address that she gave knocks on the door to ask, you know, what happened? Where is she? Oh, um, she died years before in an accident on that very spot on the road. Hmm. The, there are very few variations on it, um, on, on, on the hitchhikers. There are some unusual, um, notable variations where you've got uh, a phantom monk like figure who. Uh, attacks cars, uh, which takes place in, in Yorkshire, uh, and according to the story, attacked uh, a police car one night. Um, however, tracking down the reality of those sort of that stories. won't do. No. Um, <laughs> what's, what's interesting is is, is it uh, Chris's uh, title, uh, le- uh, legend tripping. Mm-hmm. Because we, mm-hmm. I, I was like, what, what legend tripping? Because I'm aware of Anne's cemetery tripping, and you know, yeah. I was joking. He says falling over in cemeteries, mm-hmm. uh, but here in the UK, we don't have legend trippers. We have folklorists um, and anthropologists who study you know, folklore stories, mythology, um, local history, and how that weaves into the myths and legends and the folklore and the culture. Uh, but we don't we don't have um, legend trippers. So that's that's so the, the major yeah, difference. Chris, where did that come from? Where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, so, uh, legend tripping. Well, legend legend tripping is I think as a, as a phrase uh, is almost exclusively an American phrase, uh, and it really gains popularity in the forties, like late forties um, and early fifties, and then kind of into the sixties. And what it meant was. There's something weird going on in town. We all hop into a car, and we go to try to experience it together. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, it, it's a, now a much more broad term, but that was the original meaning of it. So, for example, they have uh, here in Florida, right outside of Orlando, they have this place called the Oviedo Lights, this stretch of road. And for decades, people have seen these ghost lights on this road. And, of course, all this great mythology has developed around it in terms of, you know, some people went out to go see it and they got killed and so now they're the light. And there's uh, 
phantom truckers that are out there and all that kind of stuff. But in the in the sixties, especially, it was um, a date thing, right? So rather than take your date to a movie or rather than take the kids somewhere, you all piled into the car, you drove to this spot in, in El Vito, and you waited for the lights, and you could literally watch them dancing in the sky. And, and a lot of people, and a lot of the folklore uh, involves couples who would go there to make out and do other things after watching the lights, and then the lights would kill them, and so then they became part of the lights and, and things like that. So the, the difference between um, a legend tripper and just a straight folklorist because uh, I, I consider myself both, is that a folklorist is 100% not concerned with whether a story is true. It's irrelevant. All that's important are the elements of it, the themes of it, and then kind of the people who are telling it and what, what those meanings are. A legend tripper, at least as I define it now, is I go out to those places and I also try to experience the haunting. I'm not saying it's real or it's not real, but we go out there and we try to trigger, based on what the legend is, uh, we try to trigger some kind of activity. And, and if there's no activity, that's perfectly fine. We don't really care. If there's activity, um, most of the time <laughs> it ends up being something that uh, can either be explained or has no connection to the original story. It's just the unexplained. And what happens when you can't explain something, you fall back on what you know, like all those hitchhiker stories we were talking about, or which is what is what my new book is about, all these great love stories that involve death and ghosts and things like that. So you try to make sense out of something that doesn't make sense by adding the folklore that your culture or your people have been passing forward, you know, and passing back to each other for generations. Well, that makes uh, a little that makes it a little clearer because uh, so we don't tend to have we have people uh, they call themselves paranormal investigators who go to notable spots like where road ghosts or phantom hitchhikers or uh, there are legendary ghosts or go or stories or tales not just ghosts but fairies and 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 other fantastical creatures and they go along to investigate and to try and experience so i guess we do have them we just we just title them generically as paranormal investigators yeah yeah and and it's and it's about uh the experience over evidence so it's we you know it doesn't we don't try to capture things on tape necessarily we don't try to um put out evidence to convince people that something like the Ovita lights are real, all we do is say, this is what people experience. Here's what we experienced when we went there. Um, isn't this a great story? Ah, now, that's where we do differ. Um, they, they are very much more focused on gaining some proof that they can take back and show their, show their followers or promote themselves on social media with. Um, and a lot of them nowadays, it's very, very popular to, uh, to actually do these trips. In fact, there was one on this e earlier this evening. They were exploring a cemetery. Um, and it's all done on social media. Um, of course it is. With people invited to comment and to grab screenshots of things that they think are interesting. And it's all, it, you know, it's all very much about the publicity machine. Yeah, and, you know, we do that, too, in terms of we want the audience to experience what we experience, right? We want the audience to feel as if they are sitting underneath the suicide tree and they could be experiencing it if they went out and legend tripped it themselves, like kind of giving them a roadmap to do that for them. 
Um, but, you know, it's funny. The one thing we don't do is we never uh, do a, a live feed or, or, or a promotional thing inside of a cemetery. You know, so if you're at a bridge <laughs> and the bridge is supposed to be haunted and you're, and you're filming from it, you're telling people the legend, you're allowing them to be in that moment with you and hopefully something will happen. Maybe it won't, but at least you've you learned the story of it. We don't do that with uh, the cemeteries that we, you know, look into the legends that are going on there. Now, when you do the, – the big thing I think is, is, you know, a lot of these groups I think that Steve are talking about, they hear a legend and they go to investigate it. Is that correct, Steve? Um, yeah, they embellish it and then they go and investigate it. Yeah. So what, what Chris does is he goes and tries to find the root of the legend – because all legends are based on some type of root or some type of beginning. And in where that beginning is, uh, where does it come from, is the intriguing thing for, for Chris, right? Right. You yeah, know, so for example. Um, have the integrity to do that. Um, eh. They're much more focused on, hey, look at me. I'm a big shot. Okay. <laughs> no one ever thinks I'm a big shot, so I don't have that problem. I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> you think you're a big shot? Thank you very much, Ron. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I think what Ron was saying is he thinks he's a big shot. No, I know oh, okay. I'm a big <laughs> shot. That's, that's a difference. I know I'm a big shot. You know, I don't think. I know. Yeah, it's it's a I know, therefore I am. You know what yeah, I mean? It, it starts the same and ends the same, but the middle letter's different. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so why do you think... That for instance, let's let's take the hitchhiker one because we, Steve says he has it in the UK, and Chris, you have it here. Where where does this legend of the the hitchhiker come from, and how, where's its roots, and right. how does it so, grow to have a life of its own? Well, you know, I think that we're going to have to travel over the pond. Um, I think it, it has a lot to do with um, early fairy legends. You know, and I, and I think that if you look at, at British folklore, you're going to find a lot of early road stories that involve straying from the path, just like Little Red Riding Hood. Straying from the path or development has gone through what was a fairy ring or a fairy, taking down a fairy tree, and the fairies kind of getting their revenge. You know, if you just think about it in its simplest terms, a road is a place to get from point A to point B. And the darker that that path is, the harder that that path is the more it kind of freaks us out, right? So if we're walking, it's, it, you know, uh, 300 years ago or 200 years ago when we're walking down a road, anything can happen to us, right? Things can attack us from the left. They can attack us from the right. They can attack us from behind. And so we naturally have this fear. And so we start to kind of manifest these things that could go wrong. And then all of a sudden they play themselves out, right? Um, we're also generally especially when it gets dark, there are very few um, daytime roadside hauntings, right, if you've noticed. We don't understand how light plays, right, especially early, you know, or, you know 100 years ago. We don't understand how the moon reflects off things, how what the impact of the stars, swamp gas, all of these kinds of things. We don't understand them, and so poof, they happen, Right. And so when they happen, we need to explain them. And so, well, you know what? My grandmother used to tell me this story about the fairies on the road. And so all of a sudden now that becomes part of our consciousness. You know what happens on this road? If you stray from the path or if you don't do something a certain way, 
the fairies will come and they'll get you, or if you don't show the right respect when you're on it. And that just translates to modern times via car. You know what I'm saying? Like, those ideas stick with us. All we do is change the mode of our transportation. So if you think about it goes really from, um, from, from haunted roads and those fairy-type encounters to steam engines to boats to, uh, to, to, to cars, right? All we've done is we've changed the mode of transportation. And then by doing that, we've made the story maybe more sophisticated. So now it's a hitchhiker, right? As opposed to meeting a stranger on the side of the road or seeing lights on the side of the road. It, it, it evolved with each kind of change of technology, but they're all essentially the same story. That's why if you look at ghost stories that aren't inside of a house, so many of them involve roads as opposed to a dark forest or even a cemetery. Like these roads that we travel that are supposed to be safe, they have things we can't understand and we just fall back on what we've always been told. That makes sense in a way. But is how do they 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 grow to to the way where they are now? They're 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 so prevalent everywhere. Is it is it like storytellers retelling these stories, or is it like you know your mother telling your children these stories, or how do, how do they grow from that one experience of something strange happened to the hitchhiker story? All of the above. You know, it, it, it's it's storytelling and it's trying to explain something and you pass it down to your kids because now it's a warning, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's over the campfire. It is, which we don't do anymore, right? So now it's over the Internet and, and these stories that we share. And so you, all you have to do is type in ghost lights. I was looking for a picture. I'm, I'm working on a, a story. I do a Zoom meeting with my students every night. And I do a, uh, a haunted legend from Florida. And it's just so they can blow off some steam. They can come oh, you're a hear cool a teacher. Story. <laughs> they wouldn't tell you that. But, yes, I, I like to think so. And I'm working on one called the Tomoki, the Curse of Tomoka uh, right now. So it's the, the, the Tomoki lights. And I was looking for just a picture of ghost lights because I actually don't have a picture from this location at night. And so I just type in ghost lights, Florida. And dozens and dozens and dozens of images pop up immediately, all from Florida. All some of them are some of them taken at night of ghost lights. Those things are there, so it's it, it, it's not as if those aren't happening. It's not as if what we're seeing on the side of the road is not a ghost, or what we what we drive through is not a ghost. Um, but some of it isn't, right? And so what we've done is we just tell people. We write our, we write our stories about it. We share it with other people. We have television shows. You know, so shows like Supernatural uh, spread the urban legends. But but then it's also like, hell, I remember an episode of Growing Pains back in the 80s that talked about the, the hitchhiker legend. And Michael picked up, uh, Michael Steer on the way to the prom picked up a, a ghost prom date. You know, like, so I think mm-hmm. that it's a combination of oral storytelling books that we read, and then a lot of, lot of movies and television. So, so Steve, do you think it's well, like the, the uh, you know, Bloody Mary story as well? I, I think the reason it's your side of the water and our side of the uh, water is because people travel. You know, uh, the, the European uh, migrants uh, to the new world in the 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries took the stories with them. Um, relocated the stories. In actual fact, uh, we've got uh, precursors of road ghosts. I would like to. I would like to think it goes back to our Western uh, fairy cultures. But I, I think 
we have precursors in uh, with with Roman. Ro- I mean, there are Roman road mm-hmm. ghosts, uh, mm-hmm. and the Greeks had ro- uh, road ghosts too that 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 came along and disappeared or or visited travellers on the road. Um, you've got elements of that, of course, in uh, Little Red Riding Hood and the Arabian Nights where you've got these visiting spirits, these these elemental ghostly figures who who appear to travellers, accompany them for a while, and then they disappear. Um, so I, I think we've had them um, going right the way back to the first century, probably beyond that. Yeah, as long as there have been travellers, there have been stories of, of weird things happening along mm. the road. You know, and, and, it, and it's... You know, I think the three of us here, we can say that the ghosts are real, or we believe that ghosts are real, we believe that these could be the spirits that have died there. Um, but it also, you know, has a history in, you know, religious beliefs and seeing, you know, gods on the side of the road. I mean, how many times, you know, if you go back to, like you were mentioning Greek mythology, there's mythology or there's a myth that involves, you know, meeting a god on the side of the road and not knowing that it's a god. And how do you interact with that god depends on the rest of your faith. You know, and then of course you have in African cultures the same kind of thing. These areas that are known as famished roads, that are hungry roads, and to travel on that road, you know, it, it's dangerous if you're not uh, in tune with your ancestral spirits. Um, right. So you know, it, it, it's 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 all about the travel. It's all about the journey. I mean, if you think yeah. of anything, even a place you've well, gone. Speaking about the journey, speaking again. about the journey, we're going to have to stop for a minute because uh, we've got to take a break. So. So this journey will be held up as we take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson and Ron Kolick. Our special guest is Chris Balzano right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15. Welcome to Tojanet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Mysterious and spooky, they all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parax family. Ghost Chronicles International Live from Lockdown Edition with our special guest tonight, legend tripper Chris Belzano, out in or down in Florida. 
And of course, over here in West Wales, the gold standard in gold hunting, gold hunting, the gold standard. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. it was You're going learning for me. You're learning for me. I love it. <laughs> no, you know what it was. I paused because I thought you were about to interrupt. Oh, sh- bite me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and New England's very own interrupter himself. Yeah, interrupt this. Mr. Anyways, uh, you do mention, you know, it's yeah. not just associated with, with roads, though. I think it's more about the journey itself. I mean, you have tales like, you know... Uh, the Ulysses and the Odyssey and Jason and the Argonauts that go back to Greek times where they're set out on a journey and they're, they're beset by paranormal uh, activity, basically. Right. So it's not just... I'm plasticine models. Yeah, I know, huh? So, so Ron, you, you've, uh, uh, you've got done plenty of cases with, with people who have a haunted house, right? There's something weird going on in their house. Something very weird going on. <laughs> and you, uh, uh, you know, they tell you the story, right? And yep. when they tell you the story, there's confusion. You know, they're, they're, they might have some details mixed up and they don't understand things. But it kind of takes a narrative form. It has this happened, then this happened, then this happened. But as we know, ghosts aren't like that. Paranormal experiences aren't like that, right? We frame the story when we tell people and then we look back and we say, oh, yeah, I remember the first day we moved in, something weird happened and it didn't make sense until now. Right. We create this story so that we can understand it. If it's just a whole bunch of weird crap happening to us, we, we it's hard, even harder for us to understand it and live with it. But if now all of a sudden we can kind of put something to it and we could put a timeline and we could show that it escalated then it makes more sense to us. It's kind of now framed the way that we're used to hearing stories and we can communicate with other people or we can share it or, or, or try to get help from it. I think that these road stories and even these journey stories, they make sense to us as a supernatural thing because they have a natural thing. Like you are going from someplace and then wacky stuff happens and do you make it through to the other side? You know what I'm saying? So and mm-hmm. I think that uh, when you are driving down a road, and you experience something paranormal, um, you immediately go and, and you, if, you, if you're like me or like most people, you then kind of go to the Internet, right? And you find out, is there something there? And then all of a sudden, someone tells you about a death that happened there or other people who experienced it, and it, her name is Julia, and she wears white. And your mind goes, yeah, well, she was kind of wearing white, and she was kind of walking that way. And then, boom, the story perpetuates itself. So I think we seek out these journey stories when something weird happens to us so that they make more sense to us. Steve, you uh, yeah. I know at Parascience, when you, when you do an investigation, you make – you interview the, 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 the client or whatever. I hate that word, client, but that's all right. You interview them, but – don't you, do you recommend them keeping a journal as well so their facts are more accurate? Well, actually, uh, yes, you do get them to keep a diary, a journal. Um, but there is the realize it, the, there has to be the realization that, and it's quite well, quite well documented, that you, you go along and you say, right, uh, I would like you for the next two weeks or whatever to keep a journal of 
things that you experience. You are going to change the nature of the of what's reported because people will become more aware. They'll become hyper aware, and things that will be recorded and reported as potentially paranormal or interesting may not previously have. Uh, been considered or come up on their radar. I can give you a quick example. Um, for for instance, uh, you go out to work, you come back in, the refrigerator door is is open, and uh, you you cuss and you curse yourself out for forgetting to close the refrigerator door properly. If you get somebody who thinks that they're in a, a, a haunted house, and you're asking them to keep a diary, a journal. Uh, the same event takes place, but they will vividly recall closing the refrigerator door. And so you you change the you change the parameters when you start to uh, to get uh, a witness to keep a journal. But right, when and then you that same thing. I was going to say that same thing happens when you ask them to uh, go and write down everything that happened before yeah. you talk to me. It gets worse. Now that same kind of write exactly everything makes sense, and then they start to see a story. And and also when when you uh, the way you frame questions or have a conversation with them uh, it, to try and draw more information from them can also change the story too. It's 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 something that uh, psychologists and investigators have been grappling with for a long time. Uh, we've taken we've taken so, advice from police forensic. Um, wait a minute. How is this, Steve? How is that difference than you having your investigators do a journal? How is it? any different at all well it isn't it, it isn't what you have to the journal is actually quite important because it gives you a, a protracted insight into what's been taking place but you have to recognize that it's also imperfect um, because you're dealing with people and every time you deal with people you end up with uh, you know one step forward one step back two steps forward one step back there is we are imperfect so whenever you know you're dealing with the human witness you will have problems and you can try and mitigate them as best you can but recognizing them is the best mitigation you've got so okay i, I can understand that but i mean it, it it is it always goes through the person whoever's writing yeah. the journal yeah because and it's that, that's the problem with it yeah because the investigator or most times um whether it's a legend tripper uh, or whether it's a paranormal investigator you weren't there when the experience took place so you're trying to play catch up and talking to people who were there and getting their take on it and getting them to describe to you what what happened to them and their language will will reflect the gravity and the profundity of the experience so they might use words that, that might seem inappropriate the room went so cold it was like walking into a refrigerator now not many people walk into refrigerators but the language what they're trying to convey is the something about how the experience felt to them or impacted upon them. So, Chris, where do we, going back to legends again, where do we go from, like, you know, the hitchhiker, you pick up a hitchhiker, he goes in the back seat and disappears, to, like, uh, as I mentioned, I was listening to that tape, I mean, the uh, CD, and where you go to the Reboot line, I can't even say a Reboot, how do you say that? Rehoboth. 
Rehoboth line, uh, and you beep three times, and the hitchhiker appears. Bloody Mary. <laughs> You're like, you know, it, the, the number three, I'm doing something right now working on uh, just this, the appearance of the number three in hauntings and in, in, in haunted legends. You know, it makes sense for us to do that. So then if you take the redheaded hitchhiker and you look and be like, oh, wait a minute, there was a story in Texas that they used to tell back in the 60s that if you went to the railroad and you honked three times, uh, you know, this person would appear. You know, it, it's it's we hear one bit of a legend over here, and we hear another little bit of a legend over here, and the, the redhead hitchhiker is a great example of this. Um, and there's a direct parallel in the UK as well. When the when the uh, first stories came out in '94, and there's some debate, you know, whether those were real stories or whether the writer had made them up, and and all this stuff like that. Um, they were very clear cut. Like here's a road, here are some experiences that happened on it. And then what you began to see, uh, as I started putting, pushing stories out there, people would say, oh, I heard that if you go to the line and you shut off the lights and turn them back on, he'll appear in the lights. I heard that. And so now all of a sudden people are saying not their firsthand experience, but they're saying what they heard someone else had experienced there. And what do they do? They go to the Rehoboth line. They turn their lights off. They uh, honk the horn three times. They turn their lights on. Nothing happens. But then as they're driving down the road, they see something weird. You know, and maybe that's their mind playing tricks. Maybe they want to see it. Maybe something paranormal actually happens. And they associate the two things. Well, that must have been right. That, that's because we did the light thing. It just took a little bit. And so when you retell that story, it's not as interesting. And it's not a, like you were just saying. It's not a lie to say that. You switched the lights and he was there. It just was five minutes afterwards, right? That's not a big deal. And right. so we perpetuate it and we take these little bits of stories and we attach it to it, you know. Or the um, the other one that's attached to the redheaded hitchhiker that I've heard a lot of here in Florida is the idea of either appearing in the back seat or if there are three people, he'll appear or whatever will appear in the empty seat. That yeah, that's, that's also in East Bridgewater too. Yeah. That's it's, also a niche. That was, it's, yeah. it, you're right, exactly. So that wasn't associated many... with the red-headed hitchhiker at all for decades. And now all of a sudden, it's also attached to that story. Well, who experienced it? Well, I don't know who experienced it. I just heard that's what happened. Steve, you, you were have, saying something? Yeah, I was going to ask. Do you have, do you have many uh, road ghosts where they, they step out in front of the vehicle, then the, the driver either hits them or narrowly misses them and then stops looks back in the road and there's nobody there yep exactly drives through them and then there's nothing yeah. there yeah. yeah and and most of those roadside um you know i don't know of anyone and i've been doing this for a really long time i don't know of anyone who actually has ever stopped and picked up a hitchhiker um and and had them disappear or picked someone up and had them disappear i know a lot of people who have experienced um, driving through someone or seeing someone go off the side of the road and they're not there or saw them sitting on the road and then they weren't there. And then as they're telling me that story, they say, oh, but you know what else happens on that road? People say that you sometimes can pick her up, right? Get what I'm saying? So in other words, once again, they've attached something they may have experienced that's real and they stories have kind of developed around it and now they're also putting forth that story that they don't know anyone who that's actually ever happened to, but they put the two right next to each other, and so they both become true. 
Mm-hmm. It is interesting that uh, we we get the uh, a lot of um, first or second hand accounts of drive throughs or near misses, and these are all mm-hmm. very late at night, normally uh, dark road, unlit road, and uh, you, you wonder was it was it an animal that crossed the path, caused them to swerve? But then you get these associated side stories developing. Uh, of the phantom hitchhikers and they are quite common um what was interesting as well you were talking about the three flashes of the lights and bloody mary there's there's a, an antecedent of that as well here in here in um uh, great britain at least in our folklore welsh and scottish uh which is to summon the devil and you summon mm-hmm. the devil and it's called three or widdishins thrice widdishins around the church which means you run anti-clockwise three times around the church and the devil will appear uh, and that, that that goes back well over a thousand years into Saxon and uh, the Celtic cultures. And so now, if you want to get Bloody Mary, right, uh, my daughter and I just did a whole big thing on this. My daughter is 11. She's, she's as much into this as I am, uh, although in her own way. And her generation, which is a generation raised on creepypasta and Roblox and, and these kinds of sites <laughs> that talk about that, we, we got this book. Uh, if anyone wants to visit the site, it's amazing. It's called The Ghost in My Machine. It's a, it's a great site for this kind of thing. Uh, we did a whole episode called uh, Home Hauntings because all of these urban legends that are being spread via computer and via those sites now. Now, if you want to do Bloody Mary, not only is it you're supposed to do it at Instead of midnight, like when I was a kid, now it's got to be at 3, and it's now even evolved to the point that you have to do it 3.33, you know? And so it, it's those, right, and what happens, like, then someone picks that up and they say 3, and then you double down on it by saying, no, not 3, 3.33, or you have to do something from 3 o'clock to 3.33, and if you don't end at 3.33, then, you know, the, the monster or the ghost or whatever is going to mm-hmm. be able to get at you, you know? It, so it's... It's we are obsessed with this with this number three, and it pops up in folklore and in hauntings uh, all yeah. the time. Right, they, three is, they, a, is a magical number, actually. Well, folklorists uh, do do tend to attribute this to some of the earliest, and they're very common in Welsh culture. These uh, divination dreams and divination rituals mm-hmm. that the uh, the young young women would go through to see their husband or to find out how the crops were going to be, and uh, you know they trace these back to the earliest days of our cultures um, Mm -hmm. where people would go through very elaborate uh, numerical rituals they would wash their face three times they would take three bites of an apple or so ever many bites of an apple or do some repetitive uh, activities so many times at a certain time or phase of the moon in order for some divine thing to happen or some knowledge to be given. And I would say I would say it has its basis in science. It has its basis in physics because just on think that, of on that on that note, uh, we're going to have to hold because <laughs> we have a brand new teller of curious tales. And uh, first, you want to hold on. You, I don't know if you ever heard these before. So, without further no, ado, can we play play the teller of curious tales? Tonight, I, the teller of curious tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories, true stories, 
stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. Students of witchcraft are well aware of the fact that most women who, during the 17th century, were brought to trial for this crime, firmly believed in their powers. When King James attended the trial of Grace Keith, a woman accused of attempting his life by casting a spell, the prisoner admitted that she and the devil conspired to witch up a storm that would sink the ship on which the king was travelling. She attempted to accomplish this by saying incantations over a cat, whose paws, for some magical reason, had the knuckles of a dead man tied to them. The cat was baptised and cast into the sea. A storm came up, the ship foundered, and the king's life had been endangered. Failing to kill his majesty in this manner, Grace now proceeded to bring about his murder in another way. This time, she hung a toad up by its heels so that its venom would drip into an oyster shell. She then tried to bribe someone to steal some of the king's dirty linen in order to cause extraordinary pains which would continue until his majesty died. All this seems extremely silly, except that there was a storm, and the king did suffer excruciating pains. Hence, the prosecution. So Grace Keith was judged guilty, taken to Castle Hill, bound to a stake, strangled, and her body burnt to ashes. But this isn't the end. Here comes the really curious feature of this story. Before she went to her death, she laughed at the prosecutors and said that after they'd burned her body, she would sit in a tree at the crossroads in the form of a crow to torment them forever. And whenever they drove past, the crow would caw, the horses would shy, and she would always be present to mock them. Naturally, a legend developed from this. A legend that has come down to the present day. Hearing of it, a young American determined to try the efficacy of the witch's prophecy, drove a horse which had never been within 20 miles of Castle Hill, into this crossroads without touching the reins. In the exact spot mentioned in the legend, the horse balked and refused to go forward. He wouldn't budge until he had been blindfolded and led past the spot. The gong strikes. My time is up. The teller of curious tales has closed his book. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. Until then, sleep tight. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
How apropos, how apropos was that? Huh? Now, now, Chris, Steve and I didn't know the content at all, did you, Steve? Well, it did. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, yeah, but you didn't know only, Chris was coming on the show. No, I didn't know Chris was coming on the show. I knew the contents yeah. of the television show because it gets sent to me about six hours before we go on air. Oh, I didn't. Well, I did, but I didn't know who our guest was until about six that, minutes before we came on air. Isn't that amazing, huh? Well, that you bothered to tell me who our guest was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At uh, Tripping on Legends, we call it hashtag ball the sign. You know, when you, when you do any of this kind of stuff, as both of you guys probably know, all of a sudden weird things start to align and, and, and things that oh, are, yeah. would be coincidence in any other circumstance now are like, wait a minute. Birds, yeah, I was just, just doing a story a about birds today. minute here. Yeah, it's happened to us. We've um, when we've been out uh, investigating stories, not not uh, ghosts, but stories associated with, actually with religious miracles. Uh, we started to uh, question what was happening around us, and ascribing, you know, some the, some fairly strange stuff started to take place. So, yeah, fully with you on that one. Now, yeah, it's. I forgot what I was going to say. Forget it. Never mind. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) It was Steve. I was just wrapped up on what he was saying. (laughs) Uh, Religious miracles? Religious miracles, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Oh, that's what I was going to say. You know, we call it uh, coincidence, but it could be something else. It could be synchronicity. It's our brain making sense of nonsense. Right, right. And, and you know what? I mean, I'm a firm believer that those things are around all the time. We just ignore them, and then all of a sudden when you're doing the work, uh, whether it's investigating, whether it's, you know, legend tripping, whether it's just being, you know, a psychic or connecting to, in that level, um, those things that are there all the time, those things that are kind of itching to be understood and to be heard, um, we hear them, right? We, we, our mind is now focused on that. In the same way that we were talking about, like, our, you know, our mind being focused uh, when we're trying to remember what happened to us or document what's happened to us, the same kind of thing. Those things now take on significance. Yeah. It's, it, it, if, if, anyways, before I go any farther and before I forget and run out of time, is st- uh, Chris, if someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about you, where can they do that? Uh, the best thing is to go to the website, which is trippingonlegends.com. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, the um, the Facebook page is, is probably uh, the most popular part of what we do, which is, you know, uh, facebook.com backslash trippingonlegends. That's where we put uh, the live videos, but that's also where, you know, we put just stories that have to do with what we're working on or just weird stories, history stories, and then, you know, starting in about two months, you can start to check out Amazon for my new book, which is called uh, Haunted Florida Love Stories. Oh, and that's sweet. Uh, it really kind of isn't. Most of them are pretty. <laughs> Most of them would make you not want to fall in love. They're all, uh, they're all haunted legends or haunted locations that have love as part of the backstory. Uh, yeah. I guess and, we just and, found out. I just just found our Valentine's uh, guest. Yeah, and uh, and by the way. Uh, you did it to me again, Steve. You interrupted me when I was training a thought, and you destroyed it. You derailed it on me. I know. I'm You're cursing me. I'm not just getting good at it. 
Yeah. Damn. <sighs> Whatever. Anyways, so, uh, Chris, uh, we are running out of time, but we still have a few minutes left. Uh, what, what is the most fascinating legend you've worked on? Wow. Um, in terms of experience, like something that played itself out, we were able to back it up, and then we had a profound experience. I would have to say uh, probably Stetson University in Florida, which has this this tower, which is called the Hully Tower. And it's named after one of the original founders of the, of the campus and everything like that. And it's one of those places that it's kind of in the center of campus, at least in people's minds. That you go and you, you, you rub the tower if you want good luck before a big test. Or, you know, it, it's supposed to be that if you kiss, you know, someone, uh, in the shadow of the tower that you're gonna love them forever. Like all these really kind of cool college legends that are very popular and every campus has something like it. Um, so I was initially, uh, drawn into it by a suicide, right? Once again, this, is a, this story is in Haunted Love of a woman who fell in love with her English teacher. Uh, and when the college found out he was fired, she was expelled. And as she was leaving the campus, she climbed Hully Tower and she committed suicide. She jumped from Aww. it like clutching a poem he had written her. And people say that if you go to the campus uh, to this day, you will see her, especially in the fall, you'll see her uh, falling from it as she screams her lover's name. And people have, you know, supposedly have seen this. None of it's true, right? So mm-hmm. Not only was there never a suicide, um, when this person was supposed to be on campus, the tower wasn't even built yet, right? So it's totally a fake legend, but there is a tower there. It's, that's actually only about a third of the size. But what is there, the people, there are the, 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 the founder who it's named after and the woman who he built it for are actually buried at the base of it, right? Their bodies are in the mausoleum part, and he used to house these bells. Uh, that well, was a two-minute we warning, which means we have <laughs> we have got to wrap it up. Uh, You'll have to buy towers. the book to hear the story. Oh, right, fine. <laughs> Carry on. Oh, you want me to finish? Okay, good. Yes, so <laughs> I'm doing it slow so people will read the book. Um, so it's supposed to be that they now walk hand-in-hand hand on the campus in the early morning hours. Um, and mm-hmm. we went there, and we experienced that, right? We experienced this. Uh, very, very brief and yet very intense moment where we could see shadows walking, uh, uh on the campus. We, we, you know, it's a moment in time. That's why I said experience versus evidence. We tried to get pictures. We could get no pictures, but you can't tell, couldn't get any pictures, but you can't tell us that what we experienced wasn't real. We saw these shadows walking across the campus, um, and it, and it was profound. And so it was interesting because it had an experience. It had a legend we were able to kind of say was not true, and yet a legend we said could be true. And and the best part is then when we put that legend out there for people, people started telling us their experiences and what they had at the tower. And that's kind of the ideal legend trip. That's excellent, actually. If you ever want to check out a real haunted tower, check out the one at, uh, in West Virginia where the tower is haunted by a cow. So there you go. You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and the Gallant Messier Family Law Group on 15 High Street in North Andover, Massachusetts. Our guest has been Chris Belzano. We want to thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much yeah, for having me. It's always great to talk to you, Ron. Yep. Good night and God bless, and everyone. You. Stay safe. There you go. Good night. God bless.
from goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.